following is a podcast from Echo, a student ministry at Victory Family Church. We meet every Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. For more info, check us out on Instagram at echo.victory. Echo, y'all feeling good? Dakota, my man. I like that. Sweet. So here's what's about to happen is uh, I'm about to take a few minutes. Oops, someone lost their phone. Just slide that over there. I don't want to step on it. Um, so I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm going to talk just a little bit about Jesus. Um, he's just an incredible man and uh, someone I'm madly in love with, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, and I really want to talk about an idea and a concept that's on my heart. Um, it's been on my heart for years, and uh, it's called The Great Exchange, and we'll talk about it in just a second. But before we do, man, can you guys help me honor uh, Pastor Ben and Alyssa Archer? Can we put our hands together? Can we celebrate them? Come on. I love them so much. I don't even know if they're in here, but man, it, it's so important to remember um, that they are just incredible people. They're not just, you know, people that, that tell you what to do, but they really are um, your friends. They love you guys like crazy. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, just the way that they care about you guys. Um, it's such an honor to be able to serve with them on this team here in this house. Who loves this church? Come on. Yeah. Awesome. Ooh, there we go. There's some lights. So here's what's about to happen is uh, I'm going to tell you guys a story out of the Bible, um, and then I'm going to talk about Jesus, and then we're going to worship some more, um, and then we'll get to hang out a little bit, and then we get to play dodgeball and Nerf. But I'm going to be talking about Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8. Um, if you got your Bible, you can turn there. I'm not going to be reading it uh, exactly. I'm going to kind of just summarize it for you so that way we are all on the same page. But in Luke chapter 8, um, starting in verse 26, there's a story about a demon-possessed man. Now, for context, demons are real. Um, they're an actual thing. And not the thing that, like, you know, people say in, in our world, they're like, oh, well, I got my demons, or, like, my demons in my closet. or It's, it's not necessarily that, like, they're actually um, fallen angels. Like, that's a real thing. Um, they actually, like, were in heaven with God and followed Satan to hell. It's a whole thing. We don't have to go into it. But they're They're real. And so there's this man who has been, um, he's basically been kicked out of the town that he lives in. They tried to arrest him actually multiple times. So he has all these shackles and chains on him, but because of the demons inside of him, he broke out of them. And he's basically naked, isolated, broken, chained, um, and living in the tombs. That does not sound fun, right? Okay, so this is this man. He's demon-possessed. He is like way off in the middle of nowhere. And basically what happens is Jesus and his disciples come up on the scene, and this man comes running up to Jesus as Jesus is kind of coming to him, and this demon-possessed man looks at Jesus and goes, you're Jesus, son of the living God, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? See, what I love is the reality of demons is that we always talk about them like there's some sort of ghost in our closet, but the truth is that they're, they're real, but also the truth is that they shudder and they cower and they are afraid in the presence of Jesus. Amen? Come on, somebody. And so what happens is these demons have a conversation with Jesus because he goes, what's your name? And he says this to the man. The man doesn't even get the option to reply because they respond back as the demons saying, we are mob for there are many of us. Now, if that's not creepy... <laughs> You got issues, right? Like you're talking to a dude and you're like, what's your name? He's like, mob. There's a lot of us in here. What? Right? Like that's just not, not comfortable. Um, and 
so this kind of moment happens, and what happens next is they answer his question, and then they beg and plead, don't cast us out of this man. Don't send us back to the abyss in which we came. They don't even like hell. They came from it. It's their home, and they don't even like it because hell is a place for no one. It's not a pleasing place to be. And so they beg him not to, and so they look at, there's a herd of pigs, and so the demons say, send us into the pigs. Let us go into the pigs. That's where we want to go. So Jesus is like, all right, fine. Gone into the pigs. All the pigs then run off a cliff and drowned. Really sad because I like bacon, and that's just a waste. Not about it. Not, you know what I mean? Like, I would just kill a bunch of pigs. It's not cool. Uh, anyway, you know, demons do weird stuff. So what happens is this man, uh, I love, I'm actually going to read this verse. Uh, it says when, basically, so all this happened, and then a bunch of people came. And it says what they discovered is that the notorious madman was totally set free. Come on, somebody. He was clothed, speaking intelligently, and sitting at the feet of Jesus. They were shocked. The eyewitnesses to the miracle reported all that they had seen and the demonized amazing power of the, um, of the amazing power of God. The townspeople became frightened. Basically, a whole lot of stuff happened. People were freaking out. And the last line that I want to hit on real quick, and I'm just going to drive this home, and then I'm, I'm going to wrap up. Um, this last little line, he says this. This is the, the demon-possessed man, formerly. Um, he looks at Jesus, and he says, let me be with you. He's begging him. He's saying, let me, let me be with you, Jesus. I want, I want to stay with you, right? Because who knows, like, when someone changes your life forever, like, you want, like, you love that person. You're thanks. And Jesus actually tells him, no. He says, return to your home and to your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. So the man went away and preached to everyone who would listen about the amazing miracle Jesus worked in his life. A lot of times in the Bible, we don't actually get to um, hear what happens like on the follow-up, and what I do love about this verse is that it says, he's told him to go, basically go to his home, tell everyone about what happened, and then the Bible actually follows up and says that he actually did this, he went and preached to everyone who would listen, I'm talking about everybody, went and talked to everyone who would listen about the amazing miracle Jesus worked in his life. What happened for this man was the first half of an exchange, and I'm, I'm kind of setting you up to see how my brain works a little bit, this is the first half of an exchange, to break down an exchange real fast, you guys know what it is, but just to help make it even more clear. An exchange is where we basically trade. So I take something that was once mine and is now yours, and you have something that was once yours that is now mine. I like shoes a lot. So if I have a pair of Jordans, holla, but I want a pair of Yeezys, and I'm trying to make a fair trade, if I give someone my Jordans and I take their Yeezys, I now have a pair of Yeezys, but I don't have Jordans anymore. Does that make sense? Right, that's how an exchange works. You have something I don't, it's, right, there's a trading, basically. This is the first half of an exchange for this man. Because what I believe is that if, if the Bible says that this man was going around telling everyone about Jesus, then there came a point about two and a half years later where this man is walking around going, do you know, do you know about Jesus? Do you know about Jesus? Right, he's telling everyone, Andrew, do you know about Jesus, bro? Do, do you guys know about Jesus? And he's telling all these stories. I like that. And um, at some point... He encounters someone that says yes. And at first he's probably excited. He's like, oh, cool. You know, you know about Jesus. Tell me about what you know about him. And what he actually tells him is he goes, oh, yeah, that was the guy that was talking crazy. That was the guy that they put in chains. That was the guy that they beat up. That was the guy that they imprisoned and, and, and beat almost to death. That was the guy that was murdered and ended up in the tombs. And this man goes, What? Jesus, the, the same one? 
This man, they changed my life. That Jesus? And like, I don't know about you guys, but when I hear shocking news, sometimes I just got to sit. I'm like, what? And I feel like this man's just sitting there. He's like, what? How does this happen to Jesus? Jesus is good. Jesus set me free. Jesus changed my life. Why would they do this to Jesus? And then all of a sudden it clicks. See, in the story, it says that this man was speaking crazy. He was chained up. He was beaten and broken, naked, isolated, and living in the tombs. What happened for Jesus is that he was to the world around him talking crazy. He was chained up and broken. He was naked and isolated. And he ended up in a tomb. What this man realized is that there was a completion of exchange. See, this man went to go preach the good news of God because Jesus was no longer preaching the good news of God because he took the the demon-possessed man's place of being naked, isolated, broken, and nothing. You see that? That there was a moment where they traded places. Now, if you know the story of Jesus, he didn't stay there, right? He got up and he rose again and he defeated death and he is our conquering king. But the reality is that because of sin, a payment had to be made. If you don't know what sin is, sin is going against what the Bible says is good for you and and pleasing to God. And we don't want to do that. But sin requires a price. But the great exchange is set up in a verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus had to die so that way we could live. And whether you are a Christian in this room or whether you're not, this is important for both of us because there's a, probably a portion of you guys in here that are like, oh, well, I know about Jesus. I don't need to listen to this. Please hear me real quick, okay? The gospel is so much more than a salvation story. Grace is so much more than a get-out-of-jail-free card. Grace is the empowerment because what happens when you trade places with Jesus, he took your punishment so that way you could step into his position and his power. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, so if there's a line right here, okay, so there's a line right here on the floor. This is death. This is what we deserve. This is our punishment. Jesus is standing in the power and the authority of being God on earth. And we trade places. Now we get to step into the authority, being able to preach, tell the world about Jesus, heal people, see people raised from the dead, while Jesus took our death. Come on, somebody. That is good news. That is good news. So for the Christian, let me say this. If you're struggling with life, If it's real difficult right now and it doesn't make sense, what I would tell you is that the gospel, if it's sufficient for your salvation, it's sufficient to sustain you. You have no reason to sit in what it is because Jesus didn't just die for your sins. He died for you to be able to walk in his power and authority. Amen? But I want to hit on one thing real quick. And I'll wrap up and I'll be done. I told you I'd be fast tonight. The reality of what Jesus did is insane. Looking actually back in the context of history, this was the absolute worst time for capital punishment across all of history. Jesus was beaten all night, then got the cat of nine tails, which this process, to make it, to to describe it real quick, he was actually beaten across the back with thin wooden sticks 40 times. So imagine like getting hit in the back with a fishing pole, right? That would 
not be fun, okay? 40 times. Then they had the cat of nine tails. It's a whip. They would strike his back 39 times because 40 was enough to kill a man. On the end of this whip were hooks, nails, shards of glass, shards of metal. How it would work, the goal was to actually rip flesh off the body. Ouch. Right? Then they put a coat on him, put a crown of thorns on him, make fun of him, like press thorns into his brain. They're not like little like briars. I'm talking about thorns. I've been to Israel. I've held those trees. Those thorns are thick. They hurt. Press it into his skull. And then they rip the cloak off after the blood dries. So now it's an open wound again. They put him on a cross, put nails in his wrists and his feet and make him die of suffocation, which should have been three days, but actually only took a couple hours because what happened is a couple hours into it, Jesus cries out, it is finished. And then the Bible says he drew his last breath and he died. Then it says that they actually pierced his side, water and blood flowed out. Medically speaking, that is evidence of a ruptured heart. His heart physically exploded. He died not from suffocation, which is the way he should have. He died from a broken heart because he was so madly in love with you. Come on, somebody. That's good news. That's good news. But what I love about Jesus more than anything else is that it says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of Christ. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that when he was dying on the cross, he knew that there would be people that would hear this story, know this truth, and would turn their back on it and never say thank you. But yet he did it for them too. The love that sent Jesus to the cross was enough to love people even when they would never love him in return. That's our Savior. Come on, that's a good Savior. That's a good King. Jesus paid a big, fat price so that way you could know life. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a moment and just sit. We're going to stand, but we're going to take a moment and be still. We're going to worship. We're going to praise Jesus because he paid way too much, too high of a price for us just to throw this off like it's a joke, right? So what I need to do is I need everyone to stand. I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. and Be still. Don't talk to your friends. Don't play around. This ain't game time. This is Jesus time, okay? It's cool. Will you all pray with me? Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that your presence would be here and moving, God that you would do what only you can do. God, in this moment of worship, God, you would be so real and so alive. God, that our lives would be forever shifted and forever changed because of the reality of the gospel, because if your blood was enough to save us, it's enough to sustain us, and we never have to be stuck in bondage ever again. We believe your faithfulness and your goodness, God. Come and do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen.